people. The sermon that I'm going to preach to you today is called How to Make It to the New Year. How to Make It to the New Year. And by God's grace, we will, if it's His will for us to go forward. Uh, if the Lord does not return, Jesus doesn't come back before the new year. And if you don't go to glory, let's keep moving. Let's make it to the new year with how to make it to the new year with your finances, your family, and faith intact. And here's the literature that I found. I am thankful for the mess to clean after a party because it means I have been surrounded by friends. For the taxes I pay because it means that I'm employed. For the clothes that fit a little snug because it means I have enough to eat. For my shadow who watches me at work because it means that I am out in the sunshine. For the lawn that needs mowing, the windows that need cleaning, the gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. For all the complaining I hear about our government because it means we have freedom of speech. For the space I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means that I am capable of walking. For the huge heating bill because it means I am warm. And some of you are saying, our heating bill is huge and we're still not warm. <laughs> we lived in a house like that um, growing up. For the lady behind me in church who sings off key because it means that I can hear. For the piles of laundry and ironing because it means that I have clothes to wear. For the aching muscles at the end of the day because it means that I have been productive. For the alarm that goes off in the early morning hours because it means that I'm alive. And so praise the Lord. We can be thankful for even the things that most are not thankful for. Thanksgiving and Christmas, what a wonderful time of the year. Well, you might be saying, well, maybe for others, but, or maybe for children, but not for me, you say. There's no denying that the holidays are a high stress and for some a very depressing, very depressing time. A new survey finds that nearly 8 in 10 Americans struggle to find time to relax during the holiday season. 88% of Americans feel the holiday season is the most stressful time of the year. As far as what is stressing many out, 56% say the extra financial strain brought on by the holiday is their biggest source of anxiety. Others frequently cited finding gifts for everyone, 48%. And then stressful family events, 35%. Putting up decorations, 29%. And I'm pretty sure most of those were men of that 29%. But we can't deny that the holiday season can be difficult. But why do we, and I say we, why do we have to succumb to the depression and the anxiety and the stress? Why do we have to succumb to this when Thanksgiving is supposed to be about gratefulness to our God and Christmas is about the birth of Christ? Why do we have to succumb to this stressful situation? As far as the financial strain, don't be extravagant. You may say, but people expect me to. But you don't have to be extravagant at Christmas. Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. And um, your kids want stuff, but that's not what's going to be what they remember. We may be able to remember a few Christmas gifts, but what mattered most in our memory from our childhood was family. And for some, you didn't have that memory. But if you have children, if you have family, make those wonderful memories if you can. By God's grace, you don't have to go into debt. You don't have to put that extra financial strain. Set a budget but make it not extravagant, make it thoughtful. 
You say, well, pastor, that's just it. It's, the, it's not just, you know, that it's stressful, the finances, but it's the family aspect of it. You know, we want to have a good family Christmas, but that's where the stress is. It's the family. The family brings stress. You say, well, um, my family gatherings are the difficult time for us. We don't look forward to going to our parents or our siblings or getting together with the aunts and uncles. But if your family problems are like most relationship problems, I think we can get some help from the Apostle Paul. He gives us in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, the marks of the true believer. But let's pray first. Father, I pray that you would bring your blessing upon the word today. I pray that you would help us to make it to the new year and not just barely make it, but that we would uh, be victorious through these two major holidays, which are supposed to be holy days set apart for, for you, for worshiping you. Help us to not succumb to the stress. Help us not to be overtaken. I pray that you would help us to be a great example to our family, that they would say, you know what, next year we want to do it like that family. We want to make it through the holidays. And Lord, I pray for those that are already worked up and anxious. Help them to calm their spirit today. Lord, I pray that you bless uh, this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start by reading verse number 9 together, if you would. And you can read it out loud with me, if you'd like. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. If we're going to make it to the new year with our family and our finances and our faith intact, we're going to need to be sincere in our love, to be real and sincere in our love. Uh, when it comes to being with family, many times we go in uh, with the attitude of we're going to fake it till we make it. You show up at the in-law's house, which I'm going to show up at their house this week sometime, um, and we, I'm not saying that I'm doing this, but sometimes we can do this. We are just putting on a mask. And I know that with COVID, we learned how to wear a mask or for somehow not to wear a mask. And, but some families are hostile. And whether it's hostility about politics, about faith, about social issues, personality quirks, Whatever the dynamic, do you know that you can head over to your hostile family's house with a real smile on your face, a genuine smile on your face, if you develop a heart of pure love for your family? You and I should not show love to seek gain. We shouldn't show love to gain an advantage or position or to have somebody's attention. We shouldn't show love to fulfill a duty or to boost self. Paul says in verse number 9, and if you're in the habit of marking your Bible, you want to underline verse 9, let love be without Dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Let it be real. Remember that your family 
your family members, although they're hostile and although they're crabby and they could be, uh, they could be curmudgeons, they're real fellow human beings who have the same emotional and spiritual needs that all of us have. And those needs can only find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. You might be wondering, why are they so crabby? Well, because either they're not saved or they're not living like they're saved. They forgot that they were saved. Just as much as we're tempted to wear a mask, your family is, ma- they themselves are masking their greatest need. Their need for Jesus is being masked with anger, with bitterness, with arrogance, uh, with jerkiness, smart aleckness. I had to look that word up. It is real, I guess. But you could put ness on about anything, I guess. But unforgiveness, passive aggressiveness, they're masking their greatest need. And rather than come to Jesus, they've decided that they're just going to be a jerk. But don't fall into the trap of faking your love for them. Love them because Jesus loves them. And because they need it. And if you really could see their heart, you would feel a whole lot different about them. Verse 10, the Bible says, Be kindly affectioned. Or I should finish 9. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Verse 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. What is he saying? Put others first. That's hard for us in our nature, isn't it? Because our nature, we talked about this on Thursday night, our nature as a little baby, the nature of a little child is to think of themselves first. Self-preservation. But in our sin, we don't grow out of that at times, and we revert back to it at times, and we begin to think about self and putting self first and not putting Jesus and others first. But he says, preferring one another. Verse 11, not slothful in business, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We not only need to have real affection or real love, number one, but number two, we need to have real faith. We need to have a fervent love for the Lord. That word fervent means that it's boiling over. We're boiling over with, uh, with love for God. Uh, at uh, Christmas time, at Thanksgiving, um, at, and uh, at other times of the year, there are many people who get to church on Sunday morning, and they get here and they think that coming to church is serving God. That being in the service, being at church, they think that just coming to church is serving God. That is not serving God. This is a worship service, and we're here to get ready to serve God. Yes, we're worshiping the Lord, but we're supposed to leave the church property and and understand that as we leave this place, we're entering into an old, mean old world that is a mission field. And we're to be serving God by serving others out there. And uh, uh, we're here to get what we need from the Lord and from our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can go serve the Lord more effectively. The church is like a service station, like a gas station. We're here to, uh, to uh, get our, our tank filled. We're here to get pumped full of Jesus so that we can go out there and we can be an effective uh, witness and servant of the Lord. 
Uh, God has given us a, 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 a big job, a big task. There are a lot of people that uh, are out there that are, are ready. They're ready to hear the gospel. They're looking for the truth. But unfortunately, nobody, no Christian is telling the truth. Because they think that coming to church is all that there is to Christianity. My friend, this is, our, uh, this is the place that we come to get encouraged and, and, and blessed, if you will, and, and taught and trained and equipped so that we can be out there doing the work of God. Jesus left us here not so that we could just sit back and relax, but that we could go and continue the work that he started. So God has given us much to do, and he's going to hold us accountable for how we do in performing his calling in our life. Many of us travel to see family. Here at Christmas and Thanksgiving, we're going to travel. Most of you probably will go somewhere, do something. And uh, we many times uh, do a lot of eating and a lot of relaxing. And as you can see, I like to eat and I like to relax. And, but we're planning on doing some fun things. In our family, it's our family tradition to go see uh, the play A Christmas Carol. And we don't do it every year, but uh, we enjoy doing that. Uh, sometimes we watch a few Christmas movies. There's nothing sinful with rest. Uh, in fact, it's a sin not to rest. It's important that we relax. The Bible says that we're supposed to labor six days and then we're supposed to rest, right? And if you don't do that, you are sinning against yourself. And uh, God says that uh, the Sabbath was made for man because our bodies need rest. There's nothing sinful about resting. It becomes a sin when we stay in that mode indefinitely. Uh, so make sure that you're, by the way, when you're resting, that you're actually resting. Turn off the phone. Turn off the gadgets if they're stressing you out and keeping you connected to work. If you don't have to be connected to it, turn it off and, uh, and, and rest. Let your body and your mind and your emotions rest. You need spiritual rest. But travel there's nothing wrong with going and seeing family. Spend time with family. Exchange gifts if you feel led to do that. Have a great time. But don't, but don't check out of your faith and fervent love and zeal for the Lord. We are to be fervent at the boiling point in our, in our desire to please God. Don't be indifferent about God and His gospel. The message that we're supposed to be taking out of this place, is, uh, it, it is our duty to do that. And there's nothing wrong with resting, but even in your rest, we can still bring glory to God by being a witness for the Lord. And uh, I think of um, Brother Russell Anderson. He lived in Hawaii in his retirement. He moved to Hawaii. He was a millionaire uh, who was known for giving millions of dollars to the Lord's work. He's helped start many Bible colleges. But I remember hearing him tell a story about how when he did his workout, uh, in the morning, he'd go walk. He's probably in his 90s, close to, or close to 90 now. But he'd go walk around his condo and his or his apartment where he lived there in Hawaii. And he even in paradise, he would find people as he was walking, as he was focused on exercising or relaxing or whatever it was that he was doing out there. 
Uh, he would give out gospel tracts. He carried them with him, and he was a witness for the Lord. And so even in paradise, or wherever we're at, even in the, uh, you might be saying, going to my family's house is not paradise, Pastor. That's going into the, the den of lions, and uh, it's, going into, uh, it's going into a very, very dark place. But even there, uh, they need the gospel, don't they? And uh, you need to uh, be loving people to the Lord. I think of my brother-in-law, Donnie. And he, went, he led a band in our church to the Lord. Um, very early on in this, when we came to this property, uh, there was a man named Earl Gebauer. Some of you know him. And uh, he was a member of Bayview Baptist Church. But that didn't mean he knew the Lord. He, he, he had a love for God, but he was not saved. He never received Jesus as his personal Savior up until he uh, met my, my brother-in-law, Donnie. And at Christmas, when Donnie and Elisa came up from Mississippi... It was probably around 2008 or so, 2008, I believe, or 07, somewhere in there. And uh, in our house, we invited Brother Earl, uh, when I was in college still at that time, we invited him over to our house for Christmas. And uh, we, we were, I think, maybe exchanging gifts with him or doing some things and just showing him some love. But I remember my brother-in-law, Donnie, did not assume that this man was a believer, he just started asking him some spiritual questions. And right there in our living room, Earl, Brother Earl bowed his head and received Jesus as his personal Savior. Don't assume that everyone is saved in your family, okay? And, and by the way, when God gives you opportunities, witness. And if the Holy Spirit says, wait, there's sometimes there's some wisdom in being careful. If you've already given the witness, uh, it's important that we listen to the Holy Spirit and, uh, and not push uh, too hard on some of these things. When, we, uh, when we've given that witness, maybe we need to spend some time in prayer. But as opportunities come up, you will know it. If you're in tune to what the Lord is telling you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you need to say something. You need to love people for Christ. And so uh, even in our travel, even in our family time, uh, don't check out of your faith. If you're in another town over a weekend uh, or during a midweek service night, you need to be faithful to a, to a church. Be faithful to worship with God's people. Uh, it's so easy for us to get out of some very important things that we've established in our life. The habit of just being in church and being faithful to, to God's people. You might be saying, well, it's not my church. It's not the same. Well, why don't you go and be an encouragement to that pastor or those people? Because it's such an encouragement when people come and visit our church when they're out of town. And it's a blessing. And we're not doing it just uh, because we want to uh, receive some kind of uh, accolade or, or some kind of we're just checking it off the list because that's what we do. And we, become, we can become very pharisaical in just going through the motions. But do it because it's the right thing to do. And it's, it's going to be a help to you and it's going to be a help to others. And it's important that we just stay faithful and be fervent in that. Um, there are going to be some unique opportunities to lovingly share the gospel with family um, and uh, with others at Christmas. There's also going to be some opportunities to serve here at Souls Harbor. So jump in with both feet as often as you can. Get your children involved in serving the Lord here. Uh, your kids don't need more time to focus on themselves. as why so many teenagers are depressed and stressed. They're focused on self. They're thinking way too much about themselves. It's not, it's not healthy for us to do that. Being vain 
does not bring satisfaction. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Serving Jesus and serving others is what brings real joy into our lives. Verse number 12. Paul says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That is, we need to rejoice in the hope of eternal life. Don't get uh, over getting saved, okay? Uh, It is a glorious gospel. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We deserve, we deserve, you might say, well, pastor, that's not very nice to say because I'm saved. Well, don't get over being saved because what do you deserve and what do I deserve? We deserve to go to hell. And so he says, rejoicing in hope, be thankful for salvation uh, and an eternal life and the glory which the gospel produces. Christmas is the season of hope. We should be rejoicing in hope, what it's all about. Verse number 13, the Bible says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Now, you may, not, you may or may not participate in exchanging gifts. And I don't want to discourage you if it's your conviction to not um, exchange gifts. But I want to say that when we learn to give, we learn and we're learning to be more like Jesus. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world. That's what we talked about first. We need to have love, have, have real affection. He loved the world that he gave. And when you love people, you can't help but give to others. Amy Carmichael said that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And so may we have the love of Christ. To It doesn't have to be a gift exchange at Christmas, but that we would learn to love and give like Jesus. Every time you give, a change takes place in you because we are having to give up self. We are relinquishing self as we give to others. Every time you give, your heart moves up towards God. You become more loving every time you give. You become more like Jesus. Jesus is giving, and I'm going to say lastly, Jesus is forgiving. So we need to have real affection, we need to have real faith, and then lastly, we need to have real forgiveness at Christmas time. Verse number 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Uh, What does that mean, bless? That means that we need to say nice things about those that persecute us. Uh, We need to eulogize them. Those who persecute us are to be blessed by us. And uh, not a prayer for God to curse them. Some people say, is it okay for us to ask God to curse people? Well, why don't you read that verse again? He says, bless them which persecute you. Bless and what? Curse not. Curse not. We need to ask God for help. Ask God for help to release those who have harmed us and wronged us and wronged our family. You know, this is a continuing theme. I've seen it my whole life. You can do whatever you want to me, but don't touch my kids. Don't touch my family. I understand it's easier to forgive things that have been perpetrated against us. But for some, it is impossible to forgive those who have harmed their children, hurt their family. But it's not impossible with the grace of God. And so our flesh wants revenge. We want to get back to those who have hurt us. We want them to get what's coming to them. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, 
For me, yeah, it feels good. That's my flesh. It feels good when, when I see people get what is coming to them. But read verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Sometimes we want to rejoice when our enemy is weeping. And also sometimes we become jealous of other people. But let us not wish anybody evil. We need to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, have sympathy and tears for those who are weeping, those who are hurting. At the grave of Lazarus, what do we hear Jesus doing there? The Bible says in the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was moved emotionally. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Jesus exhibited this tender uh, affection towards his friend. The Bible says in verse number 16, Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not the high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to, man, no, to no man evil for evil. You might say, well, you know, they did evil to me. So an eye for an eye, right, Pastor? Well, he says, he says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 21, be not overcome with, uh, of evil, but overcome evil with good. So if somebody does evil to me, I need to overcome it with good. Verse number 18, the Bible says, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now there's an old song. Uh, some of you have heard the old song. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. It's not really that old. It's, I think I looked it up, 1955. Because I thought it was in our hymn book. It's not in our hymn book. But I think the words are still good. Uh, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God, our creator, family, all we are. Or uh, family, all are we. Let us walk with each other in perfect harmony. What did the heavenly host sing there? If you go to Luke, if you want to look, turn there, Luke 2, 14. What are the heavenly hosts? They came with the angel who was giving the announcement. The heavenly host appeared, and they said, all together they said, what? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So as we think about Christmas time, the goal for, for all of us is to bring some peace to our, to our corner, wherever we, are, wherever we are, bringing the light of the gospel. And the gospel always brings peace. It's not a, a religion of uh, we're taking over and we are, uh, we are forcing people uh, into belief. This, God says, come to me using your free will. You choose. You choose. And as, as, as we choose to follow Christ, uh, peace ensues. And I know that we will never truly see peace on earth until Jesus rules and reigns, but we are to do what we can to bring some of the peace of God toward men. And uh, that's what Jesus came to do, that we could be at peace with God. Number one, we can't be at peace with others until we're at peace with God. We need to have uh, salvation in our home, salvation in our lives. And um, glory to God. Praise God for that. Uh, if at, at this season of hope we ask God to help us, we can have love even for our enemies. We can have faith in our life so that we can even forgive those who have never been able, we've never been able to forgive. Some of you have never been able to forgive somebody. 
Uh, you're thinking of a name right now, uh, or, or a, a family, or, or whatever. And you're, I've never been able to forgive those people, but by God's grace, we can have forgiveness. But it starts with that love, that supernatural love, the love of God that loves without any kind of uh, merit on anyone else's part. It's, it's, it's unconditional. It doesn't matter what you've done. I still choose to love you. And if we have God's love for others, then we can have the faith to forgive those we've never been able to forgive. It's the real message of Christmas. God reconciling sinners through sincere, sincere love and forgiveness. 1 John 4.11, John writes, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 19 of Romans 12, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, God does so much better at dealing out judgment if it's needed. Because God prefers to be merciful. We don't always prefer to be merciful. But it's the right thing to do. We've studied the life of Jonah, and and at least the aspect of when he was in Nineveh, and the trials and the temptations he went through. And the fact remains that God would much rather be merciful than even his prophet Jonah. And for some of us, that is true. We want God to pour down fire from heaven and destroy our enemies. But God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. He said, don't avenge yourselves. Let God take care of it. Verse 20, therefore, if mine enemy hunger, who is my enemy? You have to answer that question. But if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Coals of fire. Okay. Well, doubtless, these coals of fire resemble pain. The idea here is not so that we call down vengeance by being kind to them. But the Apostle Paul here is talking about the natural effect, the result of showing somebody who is our enemy, showing them kindness is an effect, something that will bring such great conviction to them. When you render evil for evil, you are doing something that is natural. It is natural for us to pay back evil for evil. But when you render love and when somebody has been, been just nasty to you, has been just wicked to you and your family, and instead of being evil back, instead showing love, you are doing something that is so unnatural. It, it is only something for most people, that only something that a Christian who is empowered by God it's only something that a Christian with the grace of God could do. And when someone gets out of sorts with us, and whether you deserve their displeasure or not, love them for Jesus. 
because they won't know what to do with that. Love them, and then love them some more. Uh, Give them something that is not what they are expecting. If we would just decide to love and love sincerely without expecting them to even give back to us love, and we love, love people unconditionally like Jesus loves them, and love them even when they hate us, even when they have turned against us, and when they are despising us, and when they are gossiping about us, and when they are being nasty to us in front of us. And in, instead we show them love, we will uh, find that many times they'll be under great conviction, and many times they will have a change of heart. Our homes would be different for the better, wouldn't they? Our family gatherings would be a joy to go to. We'd be happy to go to them. You know, I'm saying, Pastor, you're asking for something that's nigh unto impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And do you really want to just keep going through the motions every single holiday season? Or do you want to see God begin to move some mountains? And I'll be honest, a lot of my family are professing Christians, but not all of them are acting Christians. And sometimes that might even be harder. I'm not saying it is harder. Your situation probably is harder than mine. But what I'm saying is, if they claim to be Christians, that I know that God, if God is, if the Holy Spirit's living inside them, there's going to be some great conviction. There should be great conviction. But for your unsaved relatives, we understand that without the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a little bit different. But wouldn't it be wonderful to go to a family gathering that is joyful or a home that has joy? Our church, if we would learn to love with sincerity and forgive, our church would be the place to be. What's the missing ingredient to all of our relationships? What's the missing ingredient to your relationships? Love without hypocrisy. Real love. So at Christmas, at Thanksgiving, leave the mask at home. Don't wear the fake you. You might say, well, the real me, they don't want to see. They don't want to see what I really think. They don't want to know what I really think. But first, you've got to spend some time with the Lord, okay? If you're really going to be able to leave the mask at home and be sincere in your love and be kind and be forgiving and be real, you're going to have to take some time to find love in your heart for them. And that only comes from the Lord. You have to spend some time with Him. And I'm not saying, some people say, well, just put it out of your mind what they did. Just put it out of your mind. That's masking the problem. We have to many times just confront the problem confront it. But with God's help, you can love them for the Lord. And you can even find true forgiveness in your heart. Do you have the faith to do that? Do you have the desire to do that today? Well, I, I want to go to, I want to go to be with family and have a good time, don't you? And sometimes these problems won't be resolved. You're not going to be able to fix them, okay? But you can do something about you. You can do something about you. Don't you look forward to heaven when everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be perfect, everyone's going to be getting along in heaven? 
And it's sad. You know, I've seen so many different church problems the years, and, uh, and people just can't see eye to eye. I mean, decades go by, and there's no forgiveness. There's, no, there's, there's just nothing reconciled. But you know what? In heaven, it's all going to be perfect. Every relationship will be restored, and, uh, and God, uh, God will um, make everything right. So, uh, this.